Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, it's a good one. It is. That's a really good so one. I, I know this. Yes, I <laughs> wish I was a rich man. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. I mean, Nothing about that all day long. I boo, 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 boo. <laughs> boo, 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 boo. I boo, literally boo. only know the tradition word. Yeah, it's like you get matchmaker. Mm. Okay, yeah. You get matchmaker. You get the the funeral. Mm. Used to freak me out, man. Yeah. Because the ghosts are flying all over yeah. the stage, like swinging through. Yeah. Doesn't he dream? He dreams about his own death because he's like stuck in a dead end. And then they exit out. Like, I remember that. I haven't seen it since high school. All right. Sorry. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, Blake. Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Blake McCullough, and with me today, I have Don Terrell. So, Don, what are we doing today? Wow, I love it. Well, the audience has just clued in that uh, Lawson is not here. Dear Lawson. He is absent. And I was thinking about this, like, since he's absent, it really, it really lends itself to the topic. Mm-hmm. I hope I don't offend anybody. And we talked about this before. Like Lawson's lost. So Lawson calls. Mm. Hold on. Let me do this. I'm trying to do better about the liturgy. So what are we doing today? So today we are covering funerals. Oh. Funerals versus cremation. Oh, that's today. Yeah, that's today. Wow. So Julie and I had this conversation sitting last night Mm. and we probably talked for about it for like 20 minutes. Mm. And I was like, that was a podcast. Yeah. We should have recorded it. Could have brought you on. I know. She goes, no one, guest. no one would listen to that. Oh and I go, my gosh. I mean, it seems to be the numbers, <laughs> the numbers are against you here because <laughs> I'm going to have the exact same conversation tomorrow. We didn't think anyone would listen to this. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> here we are. Yeah. So he's absent. Mm. And I was thinking in a way, in a way, we mourn his absence. We do. You know, people say this. There's people no one say, to make like, fun of. There's not. There's no one. I mean, it's just you and I now, Blake. We got to fill the empty space. Normally, we can sit back sit and back throw and him something, and then yeah. he, you know. Yeah, so today. Check our emails. So today. So today. Like, what do you, like, so what do you think about mourning someone's absence? Like, we say that. That's like a real saying. Yeah, like, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Is that real? Uh, sometimes. I, I do mourn absence. Like, I... If I'm expecting to go to a place and there's there's supposed to be a, a set group of people there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I know someone like cancels, like COVID does this a lot, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. one subset of the groups, like I can't be there. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad. Like I'm, I wish for the full experience. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I was just thinking, like, so he he calls me. Y'all were probably you were probably already on your way here. And says, I gotta, I gotta dip out. And, <laughs> and he said it in such a way where it was like implied that it was canceled. Mm. And I was like, I mean, I just had this conversation with Julie. I mean, it's really, it's Christian ethic. It you is. Know? I mean, I, what are we going to solve other than contend for our own personal perspectives on these things? He's right? going to be upset though. He wants to, it he's got to do an addendum is. where, <laughs> where we Charles, circle back. Well, Charles uh, like <laughs> interviews him on cremation. <laughs> so, so Lawson, <laughs> even though you're not here, we mourn your absence and we do take Indeed. you to task today. Mm. So he sent out another text mm. this week and said, I don't know what you're going to do for the so Lawson bit because I'm, I'm way up. I think I think followers. He's, he, Probably like at 530. Let's just round it up. Yeah. I Last mean, time I looked at it, I think he was at like five. 26 he seems to be presenting that he's he's drowning in followers if you will <laughs> just constant alerts and he just gets dms all the time so i follow he's him becoming back. famous you did yeah I you're joining the crowd everyone i else did i couldn't apparently. stay away so i locked in i locked in on my cost yeah <laughs> so i was looking through his twitter there's a lot there and he one of his tweets starts out with i'm driving down church road mm-hmm. i saw it and he tweets <laughs> i mean so do you think 
I mean, this is all about narratives and not about facts. I'm I'm envisioning that he. I'm the only one that picked this up, and I'm. I mean, we posted under under his tweet and said, "Yeah, I see you driving." Right. Did you think he was really driving? I don't know. Every time I envision him and Beth in the car, she's driving. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me or Lawson, but so the governor's not here today. <laughs> the governor. The governor. So there's. I mean, there's, we mourn his absence. We do. But Amen. then at the same time, this is in a sense like freedom. Mm. We can say whatever we want. Yeah. There's not going to be anything cut out of this episode. <laughs> you know, like the time that we told the story about and then also when we did the, uh, <laughs> so right now I'm envisioning laws and light with the fear struck in him. Yeah. But we're going to demonstrate that we can face move on. red. We can yeah. move on. Life goes on. It does. Even in the midst of someone's absence. It does. All right. Mm. All right, Blake, you ready? We're big boys. Are you ready? I'm ready. So this episode finds its heartbeat. Mm. It's life. So my in-laws were at my house, I don't know, a couple of years ago, several years ago. For those who don't know, my father-in-law passed away, and this is before he passed away. Hmm. He, we, I brought up the conversation <clears throat> and said, I was in this curious stage about, and I often do this where I like do social exploration around mm. like asking people the same question to a large oh, set of people. Yeah, that's good. And I'm like, hey, do you have a grave? Do you have like a grave picked out? <laughs> and they were like, you know what? We were talking about this the other day and we really don't. I mean, I think we're coming to maybe think the easiest thing to do would be to, cre to be cremated. Mm. And I was like, I mean, my lip starts quivering. <laughs> Get a little twitch to it. <laughs> my eye starts squinting a little bit. It's like a bead of sweat. I, know, and I was telling Julie about this last night. She doesn't recall the conversation, but we had a long conversation about that they actually, where they lived or live in right outside of Jackson, Tennessee, mm. that there was, there were large sections of family land. Mm. And on this section of family land, one plot, probably a 15 acre plot, actually had a family cemetery on it. Mm. And they threw clearing out uh, some of the lot as a family had discovered this old family cemetery and they had planted like tulips and all sorts mm. of flowers through it. So it was like a beautiful little yeah. natural. And I was like, so he's telling me this. I'm like, I don't understand why you would even consider being <laughs> cremated when you have access to a family plot, you yeah. know, and that seemed kind of like for them, well, maybe, maybe that's too far outside the norm, you mm. know, but I'm, I gave my Christian, what I think is a Christian defense for yeah. the historical tradition of burial. So that's really the thought today is to okay. try to cover that. All right. So here we go. Let's cover it. All right, Blake, you ready? I'm ready. All right. So with that, Blake, <laughs> let's cop a squat. <laughs> Do you know the saying? So, cop a squat. Cop a squat. I always heard pop a squat. So that's a play on words. That's, that's fake. The original idiom is cop a squat. And cop a squat is uh, in the 1970s when mm. friends came over, one would say, come on in, cop a squat. And it means to sit down and take a seat. Hmm. But I want to bring it back. There's all Do sorts we know of why? So it, or couches lower in the seventies. All right. Or so it says. Do, have you ever heard of this one? Cop an attitude. Don't cop, cop an, a feel. Okay. <laughs> what about being a cop out? Yeah. Cop uh, out is like a fake excuse. Is that? Yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah it's. That might be very applicable for today. <laughs> 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 Got him. <laughs> Uh, it says, what is a, what is a cop out in writing? So it's like copping, I guess, C-O-P-P-I-N-G. Mm. Hold on. Let me Google what that word means. C-O-P-P-I-N-G. Copping. Is to catch or arrest. Mm. To receive or obtain. Mm. 
So I guess like they're using it in the grab a seat, catch a seat, mm-hmm. like come on in. It's just obtain a seat. Yeah, it's slang. I like it. All Cop right, a squat. Come on in. Did you know that Mississippi? So speaking of cops, <laughs> <laughs> what a transition. I know, right? Uh, Mississippi laws uh, actually actually instruct us on home burials. No, I did not know All right, this. so here's the framework, at least in Mississippi, is that as long as you have a death certificate, the person that receives the death certificate, as I understand it, you do not have to embalm the body. Mm. You have 48 hours to embalm the body. Not mm. to embalm the body, but to get it in the ground. If you don't embalm it. Right. If you, if you embalm it, you have longer. <clears throat> right. And if you were wanting to be buried at home and you're in the city limits, then you have to file for a permit for your gov- local government to issue a, f- a family plot. Okay. And so that plot at that point with that piece of real estate, as I understand it, never transfers ownership. Uh, even, if, even if all the property around it is sold, okay. that you maintain an easement. And an easement doesn't mean that you own, it doesn't mean, quote unquote, you own a, a physical path, mm. but you're granted a path. Yeah. An easement into like the cemetery, yeah, so you can get to it, and so it'd be so <laughs> weird. <laughs> so you want to be buried at your house? If I had a bunch of land, yeah, I would probably go through the trouble, yeah, of maybe further exploring that idea. I mean, do you have a plot? No, I don't either. Oh, that makes me feel better because Julie I'm doesn't a, have a, a plot. You know, like, we don't even know, like, I, I just wondered, like, so where do you think, where do you think if, if you died today, where would you, where would you be buried? Uh, I have no idea. No idea. You've no never idea. thought about this. No. I, like, I literally, when you mentioned all of this, I was like, uh, <laughs> it's just uncharted. Maybe I should meet with someone or. <laughs> well, normally it's like, normally it's like, you know, and, and, and. normally it's a it's something that it's an event right like there's a need there's no need in taking cash out of cash and buying a burial plot right that you may not need for some time or never if the lord returns and so my thought is i think it's more like a fiscal issue for me yeah but i was telling julie last night i think if like I don't, I don't have like a, uh, like a written out, like we've never, we were talking about this last night and I was like, you know, if something happened to me, I would probably want convenience. Yeah. You know, for all of those who would be participating. Agreed. At, at, at whether coming to the service or going to the graveside, I'd, I wouldn't want people to drive a long way. Yeah. So I was just telling her, I was like, you know, I would probably just think like, Wherever the local funeral home is, I guess, like that makes sense. And then maybe, maybe where the nearest cemetery would be, Yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, how do you get connected with cemeteries? Like, do you tour them or? Yeah. So the city of Olive Branch actually has, I think it's called Blocker Cemetery. So it's like a public. Oh, and the city owns it. Okay. So I don't know if it's full. Yeah, like I don't know. I, every time I think of a cemetery, I think it's full. I just assume. That there's no room. Yeah, that it's full. It's full. Because there's a cemetery closest to my house growing up. They were burying folks on top of each other and then like not telling the families. Oh, that was all in the news. Yeah. yeah. And so I just, I guess that's the first cemetery I'd ever heard yeah, that's of. that's illegal. No, I know. So I'm just yeah. assuming that they're all full. I know they're not. They're I'm not. Just, in my mind. There's nowhere. So you know, within your seminary folks studies, folks are dying to get in there, and they just with, with your seminary <laughs> studies. Were you ever were you ever faced with church history where it was like they covered any of this? Where it was like you know the church used to be more so in line with we birth your babies and we bury your dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like churches with with cemeteries on their property. Like, I, I mean, my grandfather, growing up, my grandfather pastored several churches that had extensive cemeteries on their property. And I know that, like, most pastors of old are buried in church cemeteries. 
Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah. the, like the I church just, just kind of handled all of it? Yeah, I wondered where like we got out of like the domestic handling of our dead. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Because if you look back over... It's probably, it's got to be part of modernity though. I can't imagine What does that mean? Like in the past 200 years. Like I can't imagine it being anything before that. Like when did funeral director become a a job? A profession. And like most of them are probably just like ex-pastors. You think so? Yeah, I do think so. Or like, like guys like who wanted to be. Like the town undertaker? Is that a yeah. real thing? No, I'm not talking about like the town undertaker, but like a private funeral home? Yeah. I just feel like, I don't know, like what, what's your path into becoming a funeral director? There's a big path. I know that there's a like, huge, there's like community path. college Yeah, there's certain universities, universities that offer so. all of that and you have to go and apprentice. I had a friend of mine I was actually in college with and he he got a job when he transferred to Union. It was like this, it was like this lifelong position <laughs> of of like certain individuals. And, and you went to Union, and these people <laughs> knew the funeral home and the funeral director. And you actually got room and board for staying above no. the funeral home. <laughs> and what your job was to live there, you never got paid. It was just all room and board. You right, know, right, right. That you were on call, yeah, to drive the hearse to the morgue to get mm-hmm. the body and transfer into the coolers. So, a dear brother I went to church with before I came to Mercy Hill. He's probably he was in his seventies. Like I think he's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he he taught he that was his job. He he was the guy who worked for the funeral home who picked up bodies from homes hmm. and took them to the funeral home. And he was, he said, oh, he picked them up from homes. Yeah. Like when they died at home wow. or at the hospital or wherever. But yeah. he just said like, you know how Lawson always has jeans at his bedside table. He always had a suit at his bedside table. That he would put on to, to be go ready get dressed to go. like middle of the night, put on a suit and go. See, I think now the body, I think now as I understand it, if I died at home, the body would have to be picked up by an ambulance. Oh, really? And taken to. Why am I thinking it has to go to the hospital? I think it has to go to the coroner's to get a death certificate. Oh, maybe so. And then once you get this, the death certificate, then you take ownership of the body. Hmm. And I then know. in the state of Mississippi, you got 48 hours of to an unembalmed body to either get it in the ground or get it to a funeral home. And I guess this is where like public health probably impressed upon yeah. the commercialization of the funeral industry because you needed to be embalmed. Yeah, and so it's, there's just a limited time where, I mean, you need to you need you need to buy a plot, which is going to be about a thousand bucks, as I understand it. Yeah, you would have to pay probably a thousand dollars to dig the hole, mm-hmm. and then you want to pr- provide everybody ample time to assemble <clears throat> to yeah. mourn the loss at the service or whatever. Yeah. So, what's the earliest funeral that you remember? My grandmother's stepfather. Your grand was it an open casket? Yes, and he was wearing overalls. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it was great. Wow, I think I was probably I don't know I was probably five or six. My dad sang Beulah Land. You know what I'm talking about oh, this song. Yeah. I'm a big Beulah guy. <laughs> <laughs> big Beulah guy. So the one I remember is it was my grandmother's mother. Mm. We called her great-grandmother. Imagine that. (laughs) It's wild. Really? And I'll never forget my (laughs) grandmother was like in, not in the casket. I want to be respectful of me, obviously. Yeah. But she was like, I was, I was freaked out. I remember this. (laughs) Like, I remember. How old were you? I was probably five or six, you know? Like, I probably remember being up on someone's hip. Yeah. To be able to see in. Right. And Which they like, were saying, <laughs> and they were saying like, look at her. Doesn't she look, I remember this. Doesn't so she look so good? So good. Yeah. And I'm like. That's oh, always weirding me out. It is. It is. And so my, my grandmother was, was kind of being affectionate. Yeah. Like with, like with the body. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess I'm just so far removed. But then I was like, you know, well, think about, think about. Think about Jewish tradition. Yeah. I mean, they would actually take the body. I mean, if you, I mean, one of the, 
obviously deaths and burials that we have recorded in scripture is the death of our Lord. Yeah. And they actually, I mean, as the, as it's recorded, they bathed and wrapped in clothes and brought brought all the spices and the things that they would wrap the body in and then Mm -hmm. placed him in the tomb. And I'm like, you know, at this point, it's like, I guess culturally, right, I have to take into account that there has been a long history of a very intimate involvement yeah. with with not only the birth of children, but also, you know, the death and burial of our loved ones. So yeah. I don't know if that's like more of a cultural, you know what I'm saying, like as a kid, like seeing it be so commercialized and so and clean. Yeah, that's the word. Like yeah. so sterile. Sterile is the word. <clears throat> that it was it was shocking to me. And even how even how to dr- even the even the embalming and the dressing up of the dead. You know what I'm saying? To yeah. to present the body in such a way where it's mm-hmm. like painting over death, I think in in some way. Yeah. That's true. So I have a ton of Bible verses on. There really are a lot. I on, feel like. Um, so I thought about this. You know how it's like the joke about staying in the Holiday Inn? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there like, a doctor here? I know. I can I help, stay but I stayed in the Holiday Inn. Yeah. So I think there's like a Christian joke here where it's like, I'm no expert on funerals and burials and death. <laughs> But yeah. I did read the first chapter of a Piper book. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a bunch of articles and I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to read a bunch of articles. I probably don't want to. I mean, because it's it's such an opinionated topic. Like when someone dies, I think it's normally a lot of competing factors go into yeah. what takes place after. Yeah. And I think the main two things culturally that people are faced with is probably the simplicity mm-hmm. of cremation. And the financial. Financially, yeah, like simplicity, meaning it's just simpler, it's faster, it's cleaner in some sense. It's, it's less bulky. It's, you, it's, you it's, have, it's, yeah. yeah, it's less costly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think these two things are, at some point, you know, we all are going to be faced with it. I also think there's like maybe a false dichotomy between okay cremation or like a really fancy casket that's inlaid with gold and you know like you know what i'm saying like that those are the only two options i think that's a false idea yeah so one of the articles that i did spend some time reading was like it is a it is a false dichotomy because you can get a very um affordable that's the word a very affordable burial yeah it's just when it's so commercialized and there is, it's a business and there's profit margins These and there's choices. Yeah, yeah, there's choices and you're there and I think you're emotional. Yeah. And there's some sort of probably idea of honoring the dead. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is what he would want or what mm. she would want. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Julie and I, like in our conversation last night, she said she was there at the funeral home. Uh, helping with arrangements, just planning arrangements. Mm-hmm. And she asked the question, like, okay, the like the baseline vault that goes around the casket and the one that you just described, like the super high end, what difference is there in, like, use? And they were like, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and so I think, like, a lot of times, I think it is, like, an emotional response to the yeah. loss of a loved one that I want to honor them in death. And so I want them to... I guess have have the the best of what I can afford. Like it's an expression of love. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean I think there are problem I don't know if we're gonna get into this, but I think there are problematic ideas or problematic places that those thoughts come from, namely like uh, I don't want to say a glorifying, but like a a heightened understanding of this life compared to the life the next life, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, so let me ask you this way. Okay. So what's the interpretation when Christ said, let the dead bury the dead? You know what I'm saying? Like, That's when the guy, he says, come follow me, and the guy's like, I have to go bury my uh-huh, father. Uh-huh. 
Isn't I, I always thought that that was like he was saying I need to wait for my father to die so that I can oh, give you him think a nice so? burial. You think so? Yeah, and he was saying like the that let the dead bury. But you the just dead. said it like a nice burial. Yeah, no, I I I understand. Like I don't know. I I think that when you think about a burial. To think about the burial instead of the resurrection as a believer mm. is is just I don't want to say short sighted. Like I don't want to be uncharitable. I just think that because I haven't obviously been in that close of a situation, but I also want to say like when we think about all of the commercialization that's gone into our burial practices, mm. it's like this is temporary mm. at best. Mm. You know, like there's. If you're in Christ, then like it's just it's just it's just the holding spot, basically, mm. you know. And so, so the um, I think one of the the and I want to be charitable the other way too. Like if you have a loved one who's been cremated, yeah, you know, I don't believe cremation. Anybody can give an argument that creation, I mean, that uh, cremation is an issue limiting the power of God in the resurrection. You no. know, like let's, that's not even, I mean, he's going to pull, he's going to pull particles off the ocean floor. Right. 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 <laughs> and, and if you don't have a vault them. around your casket, right. And it's just a basic, again, in the state of Mississippi, you can actually bring your own casket to your funeral director and they will bury you. And, and I've heard, you know, my people have joked before, just bury me in a pine box. Right. But you can effectively be buried in a pine box. <laughs> right. And that pine box is going to yeah. decay and deteriorate and return from, you're going to return to the dust. So this is why I've always ground. hated the argument about cremation being like, oh, well, you can't do that because it, it causes the breakdown of your body. Like in right. a rapid I think way. That's but a it's terrible like, argument. that's not a good argument because, you know, they didn't have <clears throat> caskets like we have now 500 years ago. Like, Spurgeon's body is broken down, right? right. You know, like it's right. not even, when you think about even like in the best case scenario, there are bones. Right. So what do you think? So if you can't make that argument for either one, Pine Box is going to return and decompose all the way yeah. into the dust of the ground. And cremation is the same way. It's going to have, it's going to require the resurrection power of our Lord. Mm. In some sense, in some sense, we see it in the creation, right? Ex nihilo. Yeah. Um, so for he's not limited, right? He doesn't need to be supplied parts for sure, for sure, <laughs> to accomplish a miracle. You yes. know, it's he 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 retains that power in and of himself. I think it's more a testimony of hope, if that makes sense. Yeah, traditionally speaking, like burial is burial rather than cremation is a testimony of. We are putting a body into the ground knowing that it will come out. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it communicates. I think burial communicates that better mm. than cremation. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about let's talk about tradition. Okay. And I do think tradition does have some place in informing our practice. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think Paul mentions to Timothy these the traditions. Is there, is there a verse on that? I don't know. God, I'm going to chapter verse myself. Phone's plugged in. Hold on. Uh, Paul. Paul traditions. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Timothy. Yeah, there it is. Here That's we go. the other. I don't. I'm Here's, not very smart, it's but second I do Timothy have a, one phone. thirteen through fourteen with Google. Second, second Timothy, Timothy one. What was it? <laughs> second Timothy one. 13 through 14. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I think some translations take the pattern of sound words and call it traditions. Mm. I mean, obviously, we're sola scriptura. Scripture alone informs our faith and our practice, but I do Amen. think we can look back over Christian tradition and yeah. and try to derive why was it Christian tradition. And I think that's why. I think it's just a testimony of our hope. Yeah. So what do you think about the tradition? What do you think the tradition is by fire? I don't know. 
Like I, to so me, Julie and I were talking about it last night, it, and we were like, I mean, think about like the Salem witch trials. Yeah. Think about like how martyrs in Rome were were executed and yeah. then burned. Yeah. They were testifying in a pagan sense that they, by burning the body of a martyr, were effectively limiting the power of God. Yeah. And they, they would not be able to be resurrected. Yeah. And so I think these two things like have deep rooted tradition. And this was really the argument that I contended for with my yeah. in-laws to say, you know, I, I want to stay within the vein of Christian testimony. Yeah. And I think like, you know, what you have in the earliest sense recorded for us is that there is a tradition of those who long for the resurrection of Christ that have, that, that they bear a testimony even in death. Mm. You know, that they, I mean, we, we know that Joseph tells uh, the Israelites to please take my bones with you mm-hmm. when you leave. I mean, we know that Mm-hmm. That was that was him doing nothing more than recording a living testimony in yeah. his death. Right, and his death continues to testify even to this day. But I do think Hebrews took that from being something descriptive to being prescriptive. Okay, tell us. So, like when Hebrews says, Hebrews says that that was an act of faith. Yes, right by Joseph. So I think the art you could make the argument in Genesis, right, that Joseph. That's just a descriptive. Like he's just recording history. That's what Joseph said. But the author of Hebrews comes in and says, No, like this is actually a sign of his faith that that God could raise the dead or or would raise mm-hmm. the dead. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I got to me that feels like enough to be like, Yeah, I'm just gonna get buried. Yeah, so what about like the tomb the tomb that Abraham bought in Canaan? Yeah, talked about this at youth last week. Yeah, it's like they're all, I mean, they're all like living outside of Canaan, Mm -hmm. but they have these funeral processions Mm -hmm. where they take time out of, I mean, I'm talking, Blake, long periods of time to make a journey, put life on hold, pack everybody up Mm -hmm. to go and and bury their dead Mm -hmm. in that tomb. And we, we continue to use this word, bury their dead, bury their dead. Mm-hmm. And so I think like one way historians have tracked the spread of Christianity. Do you know what this is? Uh-uh. It's through cemeteries. Oh, yeah. Because they sense. have linked the Christian, the spread of, of, of Christianity with the practice of burial. Meaning like. Yeah, that makes a lot of it sense. It revolutionizes that local culture into, oh, I see that even in death I should honor my body. Do you think that's a fair honor yeah, the I body even in death? I also just thought of this. This could be way out of left field. Go for it. But I was thinking about churches with seminary, seminary, cemeteries <laughs> around them. Very similar. Uh, cemeteries around them. Like it almost feels like a great cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was thinking about the day I graduated from Southern, I went to Cave Hill Cemetery, golly, which is like a famous Louisville cemetery. And all of the founders of Southern and like several of the first professors and a lot of professors of old are buried there. Like I went and like walked among their graves. Like it was just, and it was very moving, like to see kind of like this long line of God's providential Mm -hmm. hand Mm -hmm. and to kind of like see that I was in some ways an inheritor of of the grace that he had given mm-hmm. to them and i think there's a similar aspect of that like if you're at a church and there's a mm-hmm. cemetery around it and you can walk through mm-hmm. and you can see faithful brothers and sisters who mm-hmm. lived and died mm-hmm. and who are awaiting the resurrection mm-hmm. like i don't that to me is a cloud of witnesses around us of god's faithfulness yeah so julie and i love to walk through a cemetery <laughs> we do are you going to elmwood no, there's I one. I kind of wanted in, to go there. The oh, one, really? like the one in Memphis that has like all the. Is it called Elmwood? It, no, it's Memorial Gardens. No, Over well, there's that Poplar? one. That's no, Elmwood's always... like near, like kind of near the medical district. It's like a bunch of oh, famous yeah, yeah, I know historical what it is. Memphis it's people. It's off. Uh, it's off the interstate. You can yeah, see you can it. see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 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 We well, spoke about that one the other day, and I was like, man, I would love to go walk through there. You can tour it. So there's one down in Bay St. Louis, and when we're there, it's like. Speaking about just tying into the testimony thing, it's like, wow, this individual right here lost a 
spouse mm-hmm. 15 years before mm-hmm. they passed away. Mm-hmm. And wow, they buried two children. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you start, you start beginning mm-hmm. to get like this living testimony. And I'm not saying that, that part of burial is that, you know, this is what, but I, but this is you what, can't really this is see why. the stones on a lot of people who are buried right, hundreds of years right. ago anymore. Yeah. But I do think to your point, like traditionally, like when we, when we put someone in the ground, I mm-hmm. think it, I think it by and large through a Christian intent, yeah. it proclaims that I await, I await the resurrection of the dead from, mm-hmm. from this ground. Yeah. And I think when you look back over, if you look back over tradition when it comes to fire yeah. and the burning, like the Bible's not, like the Bible isn't silent about cremation. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, I think, two cases um, that it mentions. Mm-hmm. One was um, early in the Old Testament. It's uh, Judah and Tamar. Oh. And he finds out, Judah finds out that she's pregnant yeah hasn't correlated that that's his, his own baby act <laughs> yeah. but he says she's been immoral mm. let's burn her mm. and so that was an act of judgment yeah for sure um and then when you get to jonathan and david i think it's in first samuel 30 mm. where the philistines behead him yeah and behead them and the argument there is uh they it seems that the bodies, this is kind of the consensus of biblical historians, yeah. that the bodies seem to have been too far gone, mm. you know, might've been, you know, might've been disease prevalent. And yeah. so it was more of an act of like, like burning. Yeah. All right. So here's my way out of left field to match your way out of left field. All right. So what do you think about, what do you think about the, the fire in the altar? With Abraham and Isaac. Have you ever thought about this? Yeah. But that would have been a burnt offering, right? It would have been a burnt offering. Which we know. So so I just don't want to demonize. I I hate to use that word. I don't want to demonize the element of fire. Because there seems to be like a Christian application throughout the Bible where there's, there, where there's a holy application of fire. Yeah, but isn't the fire like in, the, in a sense of being an offering, it's a fire ultimately that cooks, right? Like, that, like that's the idea. Well, he says our God is, is a all-consuming fire. Yeah, I, fire. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's true. Hit us back. <laughs> you got answers. We love you got thoughts. <laughs> Post them in the comments. Um. I don't know. Like I just, it, yeah, God is an all-consuming fire, and I think what we see that that's that's where I guess my apprehension with cremation comes is like we see things about God being an all-consuming fire, mm. and it's never for the believer. Mm. Like it's you know like it's Gehenna, right? Like a burning forever. Mm. It's the like the fires of His wrath. Right, that aren't mm. aren't coming to us, mm. and so that, and I totally understand this is conscience, and this is like a, but in my mind, the testimony is very different. Yeah, very and I much even so. think about like in history, the testimony is like, I don't know. I just think about like, I mean, what did, what have people done to torture people throughout history? Oh yeah, and so yeah. Anyway. All right, so I do have, I do have a Desiring God article. <laughs> of course you do. So, um, and it's actually written by John Piper. Sweet John. All right, so here we go. Sometimes they sneak in other dudes. And I liked what he had to say. I did read this. Okay. So it says, my proposal in this article is that Christian churches will be willing to help families financially with simple Christ-exalting funerals and mm. burials so that no Christian is drawn to cremation because it's cheaper. I'm not thinking mainly of a line item in the budget, but of a segregated compassion fund that church Mm. members may give to regularly or as the need arises. Grieving families could quietly approach uh, the overseer of that fund and make it known that they have a need and all could be handled quietly and carefully between the family and the funeral home. 
At the same time, I do believe that pastors should discourage expensive funerals. In a Bible-saturated, countercultural church made up of kingdom-minded sojourners and exiles, no one should be pressured into the mindset that the more expensive the coffin, the more loved the deceased. Mm. Pastors should lead the way in cultivating a church ethos where expensive funerals and weddings are not the norm. God-centered, gospel-rooted, Christ-exalting simplicity should be the norm. How many evangelicals would choose cremation if it cost as much or more than a simple traditional service of burial? Very few, he says. Mm. There has been a skyrocketing preference for cremation over the past decades in the United States. And he gives some good statistics. It says 1960, 3.5% of all burials were uh, chose to be cremated. 1999, 24.8. Wow. 2014, 46.7. Wow. In some states, it's over 75%. There are various causes, but the greatest by far is the combination of secularization Mm -hmm. and economics. Mm. Fewer people test the practice with biblical criteria, and more people want the cheapest solution. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That is good. I feel like we've covered a lot of that. Yeah, I really did like his whole, like the idea of a benevolence fund Mm -hmm. for, Mm -hmm. I just think that we really, I don't know that we forget this, but maybe underestimate the value and the fact that like, I've been reading in Acts, preparing for a message about like the fact that they had all things in common. Mm -hmm. And it says that people sold Mm -hmm. property Mm -hmm. to give to people in their body in need. Mm -hmm. And I just like, Mm mm-hmm. Like, I think we all in some way are sacrificial, but I mean, to think about that kind of regular practice mm-hmm. of selling property to give to your brothers and sisters, well, like, I think that, is, that comes to play in this. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I drew on the, the, the traditional, kind of the traditional reality of the church mm-hmm. and the graveyard being right beside mm-hmm. it, because it seemed to be that was an extension of the church's ministry to yeah. its body by providing that resource. Well, you think about how much cheaper it is, like even as a church, if you can host a funeral at the church and you can mm-hmm. marry the, the person mm-hmm. at the church, the, like you're you're missing out on all those mm-hmm. rental fees of mm-hmm. like the, the, the funeral home and whatever the plot fee is. I mean, I'm sure there are fees, but like even still, like I would feel much better about giving money to my church. Mm-hmm. For a plot for myself or my mm-hmm. family than mm-hmm. giving it to City of All Branch or whoever. All right, so he goes on to say, so my aim here is to touch on both of those causes, which were, to remind us, were the secularization and the mm-hmm. economics of funerals. So he says, first, I am proposing that churches cultivate a Christian counterculture where people expect simple less expensive funerals, and where we all pitch in so that every church member can afford such a funeral. Second, I want to give biblical pointers for why burial is preferable to cremation. I say preferable, not commanded, in the hope that the culture created would not condemn or ostracize a person who chose differently. Mm. I encourage those who choose cremation not to equate our disapproval with ostracism. Mm. Otherwise, real disagreements are not possible Mm. among friends. So he says, the dignity of the human body. He says, two focuses of Scripture lead away from, from burning toward burying. One is the focus of the meaning and importance of the human body now and in the life to come. The other is the meaning of fire as it relates to the human body now and in the life to come. First, biblical faith, unlike Greek religion, does not view the body as the prison of the soul. Mm. So the afterlife has never been viewed as the immortality of the soul, finally liberated from its physical prison. Rather, mm. Christianity has always viewed the body as essential to fuel to full humanity so that the life to come has primarily been seen as the resurrection of the body in glorious eternal life. Mm. Paul did not consider the intermediate bodiless state between death and resurrection as ideal, Mm -hmm. and he quotes 2 Corinthians 5.4. The greatest thing that can be said about the human body is that the eternal Son of God was incarnate in a human body and will have one forever. Uh, He became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, Today in heaven, Jesus has the body he had on earth glorified. When he comes, he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body Mm. by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. 
This was an immeasurable elevation in history of the dignity and glory of the human body. Hmm. So he's, he titles the next section, Blood-Bought Worth. He says, in this life, Paul says, the body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. He goes on to say even more amazing things about the body. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Note four stunning facts about our body. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Christ died to purchase us, including the purchase of our bodies for himself. Therefore, our bodies do not belong to us as we please, but rather as he pleases. Therefore, we should use our bodies to put the glory of God on display. So our, God, our body, God's dwelling, our body, God's per- purchase, our body, God's possession, our body, God's glory. And he goes on to quote, he says, the body will never be discarded. It has been bought by the blood of Jesus. Hmm. That's good. <laughs> so his last example is a symbol for sowing and sleeping. Mm. I'll read this one. He says, all of this leads to a view of burial controlled by symbols, which are true to the glory of the human body. Paul's understanding of burial is that this was a picture of being sown in the ground like a seed that will sprout with wildly superior beauty at the resurrection when the graves are opened at the coming of Christ. What you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Burial is the sowing the seed of the body, is the biblical picture of belief in the resurrection of the body. Christians also have seen burial as laying to rest of the body as though it is sleeping, waiting for the waking of the resurrection. We who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And the last thing that he goes on to talk about, and I won't read it, we'll post this Mm. so the article can be shared. It's the dreadfulness of fire. And he goes on to discuss the symbolic, uh, and he also gives four other reasons to bury i also just think like we in modernity are way less like we have just way less experience with things being destroyed by fire like i feel like as you read about the past it's like even 100 years ago 200 years ago it's like fires in buildings and like in whole cities were just a lot more prominent. Chicago, Chicago, you know why Chicago is one of the most interesting architectural cities is because they had to recreate it. They did because (laughs) the great fire of Chicago destroyed the whole city. So they actually had an, had an opportunity to like start over and rebuild. Well, that's that's in their story. I was reading about the Chicago world's fair and it's like halfway through building it, like a lot, several of the buildings burned and they had to just, Mm keep going you mm-hmm. know and so you know we just i feel like just like we're i guess separated from the the raw like messy nature of dealing with dead bodies mm-hmm. we're kind of separated from the and we don't live in california where there's wildfires all the time so we just mm-hmm. don't like see mm-hmm. fire and its mm-hmm. destruction very often mm-hmm. all right so so i i contended for a a grave and to be buried in, in what I think, the same way all John Piper lays out, was pretty much my argument, what I was Cheaply, pulling from. Yeah, simply. Like, you can do all of this, and so cremation, it really lowers it down, and then let's look at the, let's look at the tradition. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the, one of the things that I wanted to cover is like, you know how you have, and I think this is the same emotion of like placing the urn like in the house, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? As like a, I don't know, as a monument, I guess, you know, or yeah. like, I think, I think in some sense in my life, I've been maybe counted, I'm going to choose my words wisely, counted maybe as a disappointment because I'm not so driven to, you know, go to the grave and to see yeah. the grave and to, you know, although I do enjoy walking the grounds of a cemetery. It's like I it it does nothing for my yeah. soul, you know. what I'm saying to like in, in movies, right? This is what we're getting at. Like movies romanticize like in front this. of a grave, yeah, and like have a talk or whatever. Yeah. It's like I don't I don't think there's I don't think there's 
any Christian tradition in it. I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with adorning yeah. the grave, knowing that you know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, as as the disciples went to, and you know, the angels say, "Why are you here?" Yeah, he's not here anymore. And so I think for me, it's like you know, I definitely I think that's a big struggle for where I am now is like having someone in my family who is absent from the body and present with the Lord, and yet there are those who are in or are in relationship and maybe uns, unspokenly so maybe think there is a tradition for the family to gather around the grave as a as a memorial honor i don't know i mean that's i i kind of where you're at with adorning the grave i think that in its most innocent is is merely a testimony of of your honoring and care for like say it's a parent right that's honoring right. your father and mother it's a testimony of those who come around to see like the care you take. I don't think you have to do it. Like I don't want to bind anyone's conscience, but I do think that adorning it can be in its most innocent form, right? A sign of honor or it could be a host of other things. Right. Right. But as far as the gathering, I've never, I just don't have any experience. What about talking to the gray, like the movies make it out to be. I mean, I think that again, that's a spectrum of it's, it's all about the motivation of your heart, right? Like if, if you do that, I think there's tons of motivations you could have. I think there are some sinful motivations on one side of that spectrum. Some, I don't want to call it syncretism, but some kind of like heightened spirituality to Mm. think that that place has some kind of power for you to actually speak Mm. to them. Mm. You know, I think, I think like if, if you, if, if so do you think that there's a tradition? (laughs) Uh, both Blake and I are like rubbing hands, like <laughs> to make sure we're not offending anyone. But I was thinking about the witch at Indoor. Yeah, and there's, yeah, I there's, don't think anyone's trying to like bring no, I someone but back. I'm, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint out like if we just walk through, perhaps there's a Christian yeah. tradition of burial, right? And saying like as Joseph did, send my bones ahead with you to Canaan as a as a testimony of the resurrection, right? Mm-hmm. And a demonstration of faith that I will one day be all together with the true people of God in his city. Yeah. That has no foundation, but his, the builder and designer is God. Yeah. So I don't think any, I don't think we find anywhere in scripture other than negative context. Yeah. To where people were, I mean, I, I'm not saying people, people are conjuring. I don't right. want to use that word. That's really strong language. But sure. I but I do think I do think it has a some sort of correlation. Like sure. perhaps it finds its root there. Because I think like if I went to the grave, there's nothing to say mm. because they're not there. Yeah. Their body has been sown. And I think there it would remind me of the hope of the resurrection that we share in Christ, right? That yeah. That I don't grieve for that individual at all. Mm. You know, I, I, it's like what we were joking about at the beginning of the episode. It's like I mourn their absence, yeah. but I celebrate the fact that they are in the presence of the Lord, right? And that yeah, apart, the grieving is for us. Right. That apart from us, they will not be made perfect. And mm. so this, this, this time apart is temporary mm. and it is a, it's a demonstration of suffering and a long suffering as we await the resurrection of all the saints. And I think at that point, like my greatest hope to be united with them and to ever share another word with them is all rooted in the fact that I want to see Christ. You know what I'm saying? I want to see yeah. Christ and be surrounded with the, with the people of God in his presence. So then there's no power in that place where their body lays. Right. Yeah. It only would remind me of the resurrection that we await. Yeah, and that's where I think, like, I always was told as a younger man, a, a, a guy older than me, he was always told his wife, like, he wanted to be buried in the town that he lived in mm. so that his children would, like, have that kind of monument to his mm. resurrection, mm. which I really do appreciate, like, that kind of, if your ashes are spread somewhere or whatever, then it's like to the testimony to your children is, it's it's harder to kind of give I don't not reality to that, but to give a picture mm. of the fact that again that he he's been sown into the earth and mm-hmm. he will be 
he'll mm-hmm. raise up mm-hmm. more beautifully and fully mm-hmm. than he ever lived mm-hmm. here, you know, or lived at first. All right, so when Jesus was raised from the dead, <clears throat> yeah, it says in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-two through fifty-three. You know, on this podcast, Blake, we solve all sorts of issues. Yeah, we've we've, we've tied a lot of bows, tied a lot of bows. That <laughs> so we're going to attempt to. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> This is Matthew 27. We've already said we can't cut anything out. I know. 52, 53. Mm. 27, 52, 53. And it says, you want to read it? (laughs) The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. All right. What's your take? I think that they were raised like Lazarus was raised. That's where I'm at too. Yeah. I think that they were raised and then they died again. And then they died again. Yeah. So they were given, they were given their natural bodies back. Yes. To, to thus die again. That's what I think. What's the counter position on that? There are people who think they were raised like as visions. Oh, like, like. Because the word appeared like Sam, is weird. Like Samuel would have been conjured up. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that has much merit. I think there are others who believe that they were raised. I mean, it says that Jesus appeared right after he was raised. Right. And there were some weird, not weird. There were different things about his body. Right. Like he walked through a, a door without having to open it and stuff like that. So like, yeah. The other one that I was thinking of was um, Mark five. This is. Um, Mark 5, uh, it's Jesus heals a woman and Jairus' daughter. Yeah. So that's where like he is told to come that his daughter's sick and the yeah, lady yeah. that has the blood problem touches him and yeah, yeah. she gets healed. And then he goes into the house in 39 and says, and when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, say that, words, Talitha Kumi? Talitha Kumi. Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Can I just side note real quick and yep. say that John Piper is such like a reformed overlord Superman that he named his daughter Talitha. Oh, after really? Yes. After that, after I'm that passage? Pretty sure, yeah, like it's Greek huh. for, I mean, whatever, not Greek, Hebrew, I guess? Yeah, so I was like you. I was I thinking about like when, the re- when they came out of the tombs, like in the passage of Matthew, yeah. that it was like this particular resurrection. It was like, yeah, like Lazarus, Lazarus resurrection, same. and they That's went in, and they went to go on to die again. I actually had this conversation with someone at our in our body, like probably a month ago, huh. after church. Uh, I think R.C. Sproul agrees with us because that's what we were talking about. So, oh, really? Yeah. So All right. Congrats. So, last thing. So, funeral processions. And yeah. the hiring of professional mourners, like this is real, like traditionally yeah. real, which I think ties, I think it's probably still real. I think you can probably still hire a mourner. Yes, a- across the globe. Yeah, I'm not saying that we could. If I died tomorrow, that you would be able to find one in I Olive Branch. You think so? Or that would travel and that would load them for up for the right price. So in like, I think in like, just around the globe, I know it's still a thing. Yeah, and it's a very honored. It's like an honored profession. Is it like to like create a sense of gravity for the person who died? Is that like, is that so? It's twofold from what I read. It's twofold. It's to professionally mourn and to fill up that space of grieving. Okay. And also to entertain. Oh. Meaning not like song and dance, but to just wait and make sure that everybody's Hmm. taken care of. Everybody's feeling. the core family or whatever Hospitalized. It was. But I think this like, I think this ties back to the same sentiment that we have perhaps like what John Piper was addressing that we should all be a culture of like modesty and knowing that in death, 
like we should have a testimony that bears a witness that it's not extravagant. You know what I'm saying? Like well, there's a very simplistic way to do these things. Yeah. And I think like that position probably in my mind of uh, reading on this was to try to pay, to try to inflate one's honor. Mm. And I, but I think as the body, we have built in honor. Yeah. Like to think about there is, there is such a powerful joy in a being at a funeral with your brothers and sisters mm. for a brother or sister who is, who is gone home to be with the Lord and like mm-hmm. this kind of, obviously it's sad and you're weeping with those who weep, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it's like to see the, the honor of their legacy, if you will, is so much mm-hmm. more palpable in that room when mm-hmm. you think about mm-hmm. the ways that they had ministered and been ministered to mm-hmm. and, and the ways that their family will be ministered to now and mm-hmm. like to look around that room, mm-hmm. super helpful. Yeah, so it's it's almost like it's almost like in the world looks at and tries to create. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what just the ends church up being a cheap alternative? Yeah, what Which the church actually is, has in in genuineness? Yeah. You know? So it's a more expensive fake alternative. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, did I miss anything? Any um, hanging thoughts? I had a ton of Bible verses on like burial and if we want to go through them all, if somebody wants to sit down and say, I mean, we got them. I think it's like the word burials like over 500 times in the scriptures. Yeah. I mean, I do like, I do think we, I think we've said it clearly enough, but if you have a loved one who has been cremated, like we're not trying to throw stones or. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So I think, I think these things are worth contending for. Right. And we always say, this is, you know, we always say these things that we talk about on the podcast are for, first and foremost, the primary audience is the people of Mercy Hill. And these subjects are interesting subjects, which they're, they're secondary and tertiary matters yeah. for the most part yeah. that will not have, will not be able to be platformed on a Sunday morning. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so how, where else can we go to talk about these things? Yeah. And, 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 you know, part of this, the idea was, well, we would do it on, you know, Wednesday nights. Yeah. But Wednesday nights are now uh, all for youth at Mercy mm, Hill. And so, it's true. and we've had a great, I mean, it's a great outpouring of listeners that not only from Mercy Hill, but from all walks of life and, and other churches that tune in. And so, again, like it's a great place to have a conversation yeah. that I think normally is probably not had or not thought about. That's what I was thinking about. You know, like, it's kind of tongue in cheek in like yeah, that's true. financial services when you're like having to have some conversations about wills and and, mm-hmm. and you always you always couch this conversation and these are the words you always say. No one wakes up today plan. Uh, 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 no one wakes up today with the intention of planning their own death. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, yeah. I think these are conversations that it's like. I think they're good to consider. They're good to consider yeah. from a Christian from a Christian worldview. That's what I would say. Like, I hope that there is someone listening who has never given a thought to this and now has kind mm-hmm. of a framework for thinking about it. All right. All right. So I got a Bible verse. Do you? Yeah. What should it be? I was thinking about first Corinthians 15. Oh, you read it. Okay. So in conclusion, Blake has a Bible verse. Um, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So I'd like to thank my fellow elder, Blake McCullough, for the time spent today. And we miss you, dear Lawson. We welcome you back soon and very soon, Lord willing. My brother and my friend, Godspeed. Carver, do you think that I just, I sit around thinking about what the music should be? Like, or do you think that it comes to me naturally? <laughs> like, a lot of people probably think, like, man, this guy puts in probably a couple hours, you know? Yeah. No, 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 you're wrong. <laughs>
A lot of this is like the spontaneity of in it. the car on the way over. In here. the car, it's like a song will just pop into my head. These songs mm. pop into your head. Yes. So, do you think that there's? Do you think that's why we love we strong language? I'm assuming that everyone has a palate for some level of musicals. Do you like <laughs> musicals at all? I do. Yeah. What, what's your favorite musical? Oh, I don't know. I have a lot. Like, I just like musicals. Do you remember? Uh, so, total sidebar. Do you remember uh, watching any Mike Tyson fight videos? No. So, this man walked in, and all it was was a single note. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> he walked in. Like, everybody else had, like, theme pump up music. music. Yeah. Yes. And, like, pump up music. I His like it was an fear. ominous. Yes. <laughs> Like Mike Tyson is a mean. Are you ready to get man. your ear bit off? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's famous for saying everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, I love that. That's a great. That's a yeah. great quote. All right, so the song today. Here it is. This is all. I, this is fun because we get the test Blake. Do you know this song? I don't know the rest of the lyrics though. I only know the one famous. <laughs> the one famous. Oh. chorus and i don't know see like uh, my life's all running together now because i'm not an endless shtick yeah. you know what i'm saying like i only have so much material right and i, I may just be best on a loop i'm fun at parties but not you know <laughs> I, I have to go home at some point yes i understand all right you ready yeah just the two of us do you remember this song we can make, make it, it if we try. try just the two of us is that how it goes is it I don't know. No, I'm but, saying what's after that. Just, I don't know. That's what's so. Uh, that's the just, dilemma. Who Let's is look that's at it. uh? Will no. Smith. No. Will Smith. Just the two of us. The actor. Oh, it's it's uh it's I, Bill Withers. I, yeah, Bill Withers. Bill Withers is the same guy who. He's got a bunch of the fun, like happy songs like this. That's not sitting on the dock of the bay. That's no, Otis Redding. Otis Redding. Bill Withers is oh, it's Bill something Weathers. about sunshine, like uh, and I used a to sunshine play that gone. for the kids when Julie would go to work. <laughs> I'm never allowed to play loud music at the house, and I love loud music. And so she would go to night shift, and the kids would be there. We'd have like two hours before you know or bedtime or whatever. I understand this very much. And I would put the old school iPod on there. <laughs> On the iHome? On the Bose yeah. docking station, the <laughs> yes. big panel one, you know, yes. dropping in there. And no, and my daughter would always, Noel would be, always be like, Daddy, play the song. <laughs> because there's, there's, some, there's some line in there. There's, but it, Which song are we talking about now? There, there ain't no sunshine when it and rains. Yeah. And there's something about when she, come, when, like, when she comes around or something. Oh. It was, it was kind of paying honor. It was putting music... To yeah, life. To the feeling that you all felt when Julie left. Yeah. I get it. 